welcome to the AD's office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckus. What's up, sports fans? Welcome back to the AD's office. He's Alex. I'm Devin. And our office hours are officially open to talk about week seven. We're a little bit late this week, but you know, it's still Wednesday. Yeah, still Wednesday. And it has been a crazy week. The NFL trade deadline obviously coming up next week. And teams are starting to make some moves. Some teams we know are bad, are going to stay bad. They'll probably start to sell. Some teams that can't figure out if they're good or bad, I'm looking at you, Minnesota Vikings, are in an interesting predicament. Yeah, and I think now is even a good time to revisit what we talked about. I can't recall if it was last week or two weeks ago, but discussing the fact that the NFL trade deadline, well, last year we had a lot of action. We historically don't. We might see six or seven trades, like maximum, versus something like the NBA deadline. You see massive players get moved, and you see sign-in trades and a whole bunch of things. For like 27 teams, if you're a fan of a huge majority of the NFL, don't get your hopes up. No, that's a good point. And I think part of that, we've obviously alluded to salary cap constraints are a huge issue for NFL teams. Definitely. You just can't buy talent. That's just not an option in the NFL. You have to either build talent or buy like that last piece of the puzzle. And so many times when you try to buy that last piece, again, talking to you, Minnesota Vikings, it doesn't work out the way you want it to, at least not that quickly. That's just not a recipe for success in the NFL. You can't buy a win. Unless you're the Rams and take many years to buy a win. And then in that case, it all works out. But if it didn't work, we'd all be looking at the Rams saying that was the stupidest thing anybody's tried in the last 20 years. But they did play in two Super Bowls in a five-ish, six-ish year span. So yeah, not remembering exactly what years they were off the top of my head. But they were playing in two Super Bowls within a decade of each other, which pretty much no other teams have done unless you're the Patriots or the Chiefs in recent memory. And the Patriots and the Chiefs obviously had homegrown superstar talent in right. Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. 100%. So that's not the case for most teams, certainly not the case for the Vikings. I'm just going to open with the upset win over the Niners. That's a big-time win for the Vikings. That's a big-time win for the Vikings. You you put it perfect. And there's no asterisk on it. There's no caveat. There's no, well, Brock Purdy was in. No, Purdy was in there, and McCaffrey was in there and looked just fine. Obviously, missing Debo Samuel is a piece but we've talked about the Niners all year as being an extremely efficient, extremely explosive team on both sides of the ball. Their offense has usually been able to score a lot of points. Their defense has typically caused a lot of problems for opposing offenses and especially opposing quarterbacks. They've had sacks left and right. Obviously, Nick Bosa is a freak of nature. That defensive line didn't get to Cousins once in the game. Yeah, I will say right off the rip, I don't particularly believe in asterisks unless something like a starting quarterback isn't playing or something like that. Then you can blame someone a little bit. I will say that Trent Williams, who we've talked about as debatably the best offensive lineman in the NFL, he didn't play. Debo, like you mentioned, didn't play. However, like you said, 
asterisk not really a thing i don't really think it's a thing for most games um yeah but yeah nick bosa we've talked about as being one of the best players in the nfl let alone on the defensive side of the ball and i think he had one pressure the entire night yeah and it seemed like maybe an off night for him i also want to give credit to brian o'neill and christian derisaw the offensive tackles for the vikings they played absolutely out of their minds and they've really been that way all season they might be the best tackle duo in the league. I, with some bias on both of our ends here, I don't even think they're the best in their division. Um, <laughs> but I will easily say that I think they're in the top five, six. Which is kind of crazy to think that the Lions and Vikings have two of the top five offensive tackle pairings in the entire league. No, I will definitely give credit where it's due. I definitely think they're one of the very high-end elite duos at those positions in the league. Um, I do think there is something to be said about if a starting quarterback is out. Purdy wasn't out. We are able to determine now, in hindsight, a couple days later, when he got a concussion. And from that point on, he was one for five with two interceptions after that hit that we think was the concussion however you're kyle shanahan you should know that your quarterback is hurt you should be able to throw sam darnold in or something you know that's not an excuse that's not to say the vikings didn't earn the win they most definitely did it was like you said the absolute upset of the week yeah and obviously on the other side of that cousins played extremely well it was prime time kirko chains with justin jefferson giving him the top 10 chain after the game. But, I mean, he was 34, 45, two TDs, a pass rating of 107, and like I said, didn't take a sack. So the Vikings won the game, and the Niners didn't do enough to really make it competitive. It is interesting. You talked about Purdy. Obviously wasn't himself after what, in hindsight, may have been the hit that gave him a concussion, but he passed concussion protocol in the game. game. Yeah, absolutely. Diagnosed after the fact and is likely going to miss this upcoming game. I think there's going to be something really interesting here. If the Niners look good with Sam Darnold stepping in as the backup, if Darnold steps in and he plays well against the Bengals and the Niners look like the Vikings was kind of a blip, what does that say about Purdy if he's not truly the key to this offense? I'll say I don't think it says anything. You know, we've seen backups come in and play good before. I think Kyle Shanahan and GM John Lynch kind of squashed the idea that there's any sort of quarterback controversy. I think that was pretty fake and made up by the media all offseason long. Um, His last two games have been less than stellar. But let's also point out that them losing to the Browns, not Purdy's fault, that Brock Purdy, prior to those final two interceptions, played very, very well. I will point out that you conveniently didn't include Kirk Cousins' interception when you were talking about his stats. No, Um, it's about it. He had a pick, too. He he also had had one that got taken away from him that Jordan Addison just manhandled away from Trevarius Ward. Um, But on the flip side, Trevarius Ward manhandled one away earlier, and that was the one that actually became an interception. Yep, Um, 50-50. 50 50 on both of them they both could have gone one way they both could have gone the other way turns out they split the difference 
but I don't I don't think Sam Darnold's gonna come in and cause any sort of controversy. I do think they intentionally chose someone with a lot of starting experience as their backup, though, just in case something with the Tommy John surgery or whatever. But no, I don't think I don't think there's gonna be any sort of uh, controversy in San Fran. Not controversy is probably too strong, and I think we've seen enough from Sam Darnold over his career to know he's not a long-term solution. But I also think people mix that up with he's still a very talented quarterback and stepping into this offense I think the Niners will be just fine for a week while Purdy recovers yeah I imagine they'll be okay and just like you mentioned it's not likely that Purdy plays Um, there has not been a player since last season who got a concussion in one week and was able to still play in a game in that same week so it's it's pretty unlikely that he's going to play for all you fantasy managers ready to set your lineup on a Wednesday or Thursday. Don't put Purdy in. And for those of you who are concerned with the safety of football, that's a step in the right direction that players who are being diagnosed with concussions almost exclusively are missing that next game. So the league, the teams, they're taking it seriously keeping players safe. Yeah, and I think that they do that even outside of only brain injuries. Um, We saw it in Netflix's special quarterback last season with Patrick Mahomes and his ankle injury. You know, you could see Andy Reid come in and he tells him, just go get an x-ray real quick. It's not a big deal. You know, if if it's negative, come back. Maybe we'll put you back in. You know, just play it safe. These people are getting paid millions of dollars. Let's just make sure they're okay and at the end of the day they're still people we don't want their livelihoods destroyed take care of the players take care of the team long term protect your investment but ultimately any move that treats people like people i think most fans are going to be in favor of it's a bummer to have your starting quarterback miss a game and speaking of quarterbacks that are going to miss some time we've got deshaun watson who it's probably in the browns favor that he doesn't play he's really bad He's actively bad, and it's an interesting one. He wasn't – I mean, I think he was a game-time decision this past week. He played – And sucked. And got benched. He went – he played and got hurt and then cleared, and then they said, ah, don't go back in. Don't go back in, conveniently ignoring that he went one for five and threw an interception, and it wasn't even halftime. So the Browns benched him, brought in P.J. Walker, and – Walker did a really good job. He obviously was the quarterback in there orchestrating the big upset win over the Niners a couple weeks ago, but then also got the win against the Colts this week. Deshaun Watson is an interesting case because from an injury perspective, he has no reason to come back. His contract is 100% fully guaranteed $230 million in the bank. Which is just absolutely ridiculous. It was a terrible contract. And just reeked of desperation when the Browns even put it out there. And everyone knew it the day that he signed. Absolutely. There was no question. I think players were probably secretly thrilled that somebody pulled off such a fleece. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he got $230 million. And if he never plays football again, he got $230 million. Yeah, I I think there's some truth to that. I also... There was one anonymous source, I believe, with the Cowboys that came out and said, we're not necessarily opposed to moving in the direction of fully guaranteed contracts for 
veterans because rookie contracts are fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. But we're not necessarily against veterans getting fully guaranteed contracts. We're not going to allow a player like Deshaun Watson or Kirk Cousins to set that standard, which is why it's only happened those couple of times and why other teams haven't followed suit. Now, if Patrick Mahomes came out and said, I want it fully guaranteed, mm-hmm. that would maybe be a different story. Yeah, and I think there's a a risk, obviously, in a fully guaranteed contract for a team. It's really the injury risk. Right. There are certain players that wouldn't even be able to have this conversation, but Patrick Mahomes, if he said he wanted fully guaranteed deals, I think the Chiefs would be comfortable saying, we know if you're healthy, we know what we're going to get, and it's a good return on investment. Yeah. It's a gamble on the health. And I think if the league does start to shift toward more fully guaranteed deals, it'll be a lot shorter. Right. Because if I'm a team, a fully fully guaranteed deal for two years, if Mahomes goes out and shreds his ACL or obliterates his rotator cuff or something happens where he's done, career is over, and it happens the day after that contract, as an owner, I can tell my GM, we're in some deep water here for two years. Then we're good. So yeah. you have you have two years to rebuild this roster, get younger, get cheaper, and we're back at it. Mahomes right now is sitting on basically a 10-year deal, and there are all kinds of outs on that and all kinds of stipulations that it's not really going to be a 10-year deal. He'll renegotiate several times within that 10-year window. But if that were fully guaranteed, you, you can't tell your GM and you can't tell your fan base, hey, if this one guy gets hurt, we're going to be terrible for the next decade. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that if slash when, because I think eventually the collective bargaining agreement and the NFL Players Association are going to demand it at some point in time. But if and when that happens, yeah, it's going to it's going to have to be some sort of win win for the owners. They're not willing to shell out millions of dollars just for the sake of, oh, we think that you guys are good people. So we're going to fully guarantee your stuff. They've got to see the returns. And it's always going to be a tricky game and good negotiation by players and agents because you have guys like Deshaun Watson getting fully guaranteed contract. We know he's actively bad. His backup is playing against Gardner Minshew, who's backing up Anthony Richardson. Gardner Minshew's getting paid pennies on the dollar compared to Watson. Right. And he looked really good. He had over 300 yards, a passer rating of like 119, 120. Oh, heck yes. Minshew mania was in full display. It was glorious. We were all here for it. He's he's the player of the people. He really is. And he's fun to root for. He's got a little bit of that Baker Mayfield underdog, oh, totally. chip on his shoulder, and just a character. Totally. If it's the mullet and the mustache and just the way he talks, or if it's you know, slamming his chest against his dad in the locker room afterwards or whatever it is. He's Mm -hmm. awesome. We all love to root for him. And he tore it up. He tore it up. And he's better than people give him credit for, I think. Oh, for sure. And so the Colts, obviously Anthony Richardson, done for the year. They're playing the long game with their superstar rookie quarterback. But Minshew's not bad enough for them to end up with a top five pick. I think that we forget sometimes that when Minshew was starting for the Jags, 
he was, I'm not going to say actively good, but he was easily serviceable. Mm -hmm. But when the Jags end up with the number one pick and the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, maybe Peyton Manning has come available. Yeah, you're going to take him. It's that. It's not like they upgraded from Gardner Minshew to another average. It wasn't a Gardner Minshew to Andy Dalton move. It was Gardner Minshew to potentially the best prospect in the last 25, 30 years. Right. So they got potentially this massive upgrade. Gardner Minshew is balling in Indy, even in those jerseys. Those jerseys were terrible. I'll tell you, I was so excited when I saw the Colts were going to do a black helmet this season because I thought we were going to get blackout jerseys, and I thought it would be so cool. And then they went and wore black helmets with, with blue, blue jerseys. jerseys. I'm I'm totally with you. I think generally all black jerseys are pretty sweet. Like the Jets, their Gotham jerseys, I think are just so sick. Fantastic. But Indy, yeah, you're going to have to do better. Yeah, those Indiana Knights jerseys, not it. Not it. Not I like it. the I like the black helmets. Keep them. Fix the jerseys to go all black. Fix the jerseys. And we are going to see the Lions alternate helmets this upcoming week on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. They sport their original logo from like the 1930s or 1940s on that helmet, which I personally think is pretty sweet. If you don't know the history behind it, you probably will think they're ugly. But they got a good throwback. It's a good vintage feel. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm a fan of it. Um, in similar fashion, their loss had some vintage feels to it. It really did. The Lions, obviously, uh, I'll just say it how it was. They got beat up by the they, Baltimore Ravens. They were embarrassed. They were embarrassed. That was the word you used when we were talking about it on Sunday, that you didn't think it was a gimme, probably not a shocking loss. Yeah. Through seven weeks, when you and I made our picks for the season before, you know, the first matchup of the season, before Chiefs Lions, mm-hmm. I had the Lions at five and two through the first seven weeks. I had those losses to the Chiefs and the Ravens. The Chiefs obviously didn't happen. Lost to the Seahawks, which again, didn't expect. But I did expect them to lose to the Ravens. I, however, did not expect them to lose in the fashion which they lost. And lost kind of dramatically. Uh, if you were watching the game, at some point the national broadcast said, in essence, we're going to switch to a more competitive game because it's a blowout. Yeah. So apologies to all you Fox viewers out there who were hoping for a good one. I do. There's some sliver in me that says if this would have been the Sunday night football game it would have been different maybe I I think for some reason the Lions are able to show up in prime time now but there's it's literally impossible to know that you know so yeah I think my takeaway after I was watching it because it was it was 35 to zero after three quarters it was just a beat down and the thought that came to my mind was there are levels to this thing. Right. The Lions are very new to being good. I'm not saying they're bad. The Lions are a good team. It's oh, yeah. just new. They don't know what to do with being good. The Ravens have been good for a long time. The Ravens have kind of been a t- 
top 10, top 12 team or better for the last almost 20 years. Yeah, they've had a few off seasons, but for the most part, particularly under John Harbaugh, they have been an overly successful franchise. And I do think you're definitely right. Um, and I said it during the broadcast, too, that it's it's eerily similar to when Detroit lost to the Panthers at the end of last season, which what did end up being the loss that kept them out of the playoffs, um, unless you want to argue semantics about the Seahawks beating the Rams. But as far as what the Lions were able to control it was a similar loss to how it was against the Panthers at the end of last season. And I do think, I do think that the lions played their absolute worst game possible. And I also think the Ravens played their literal best game possible. So Mm -hmm. I think it was a perfect storm of what happened. I don't think the lions need to, or their fans need to think that the sky is falling quite yet. I still think the lions are going to win the North somewhat easily, even with the Vikings upset win. Um, but like you said, there's levels. They are still only two years into this competitive rebuild that they've been talking about. Yep. Dan Campbell and company has some ways to go still. Yeah. I trust the culture that Dan Campbell has in place. I think Detroit, I think you're right. The NFC North almost a shoe in. And I think the lions could make some genuine noise in the playoffs. And if the Ravens play like that with Lamar going for, three TDs and a rushing TD. He had a almost perfect passer rating. Mm-hmm. That version of the Ravens can beat anybody. Oh yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think the Ravens, if they hum like that, then they are going to absolutely soar their way to a Super Bowl win. And Lamar said as much afterwards. He said, you know, I don't really care that I won an MVP. The the jewelry is the only thing I care about. I want the ring. I want the ring. And Lamar is quietly putting together an MVP caliber season. I mean, if he has a few of these games where he's just so clearly a top-tier quarterback, he might work his way back into that conversation. Yeah, I think he is top six or seven in odds right now. The only thing that made me hesitate, because I had the Lions losing this game. I fully expected Mm -hmm. the Lions to lose. I obviously had hope, because every fan has hope that their team is going to win unless you're a Bears fan and you're hoping for the number one and number two pick. But even then, you're still kind of hoping, right? So I had hope that the Lions could win, though I didn't really expect them to. My hesitation on the Ravens was, and even after this statement win, still kind of is, that loss to the Steelers in those first couple of weeks where they're like, just not quite clicking but that doesn't mean that you can't throw it all together for a game or throw it all together for a huge stretch. I think that's fair. We'll see kind of how it plays out over the next few weeks. The other game that this weekend felt a little similar, obviously the score wasn't quite as drastic, but to me felt like a similar statement of there are levels to this thing. The Dolphins and Eagles heavyweight matchup. Yep, Sunday night football. That was a game that, I think most of the country, we've said all year, Eagles haven't looked quite right, not sure what's going on, but they're still good. Dolphins have looked explosive. They went scorched earth on the Broncos. But coming into this game, I was looking at you know who the Dolphins have played. Obviously, they're 5-2 five, five and two now, but they were 5-1 and one coming into the game. But those wins were over the Patriots, not good. 
Broncos, not good. Panthers, not good. Giants, not good. They've beat them soundly. Like I've said all season, good teams beat bad teams Yep. by a lot. And the Dolphins have done that. And this felt like it was going to be a really good test to see how legit are the Dolphins. Because we know the Eagles, even though they're off, are legit. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also watched Mike McDaniel's presser afterwards, and he even called that out. He told the media, you know, I told the guys last night, if we win this game, people are going to crown us as Super Bowl champions. And if we lose this game, they're going to say we've only beat up on teams that are underperforming. And he's absolutely right. That's totally what we're doing. You're guilty Mm -hmm. of it. I'm guilty of it. But, Mike, there's also some credence to it. That's why we're all saying it. Yeah. If you play cupcakes and look good, you might be good, or you might be playing cupcakes. Right. So it's not like the Dolphins got embarrassed. 31-17 was the final. It just never really felt like it was super competitive. You're totally right. And we said last week, or I said last week anyways, that we've been looking for a reason to knock down the Eagles all season long. They've looked Mm -hmm. off all season for whatever reason it just wasn't clicking this weekend it clicked they were good they were good and when they're good it's exactly what we've known the eagles to be for the last several years and i'll spoil it right now in the power rankings the eagles are my number one team they looked like maybe they fixed whatever was off yep and they really weren't that off to begin with yeah, I'm totally with you. I I was debating for a long time between the Chiefs and Eagles, who also looked very impressive this past weekend, against a pretty decent team in the Chargers. I think we both had the Chargers in our top 10 in the last two weeks. So the Chiefs looked great, but the Eagles, something in my mind goes back to week two or week three, when we saw A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts getting into it since yeah. then. A.J. Brown has put up over 125 yards in each of the last five games, I want to say, tying the NFL record with my boy Calvin Johnson for the longest streak of that in NFL Mm. history and Mm -hmm. one other individual who I can't even remember because I love Calvin Johnson so much. (laughs) But it's he's going on a tear right now through the last five weeks. He's been better than anyone over the course of the season. Tyreek Hill has that, but he didn't do a ton in that game. And A.J. Brown is looking really freaking good right now. Yeah, A.J. Brown was a phenomenal acquisition for the Eagles. And we opened the show saying you can't buy your wins. Unless you're maybe Howie Roseman. (laughs) Sometimes you're one piece away. It's like we need one jump ball receiver. We need somebody who can just go up and get it and save us when it's game on the line, crunch time. Who's that guy? A.J. Brown fits the bill. A.J. Brown fits the bill. And even before last season started, we saw them trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's debatably the best safety in the NFL. The Lions really could have used him this past weekend. Mm -hmm. And then, again, just a few days ago, we saw them trade with also the Titans to get Kevin Byard, another all-pro safety. Yep. it's. I saw a meme about it on Twitter, X, whatever you'd like to call it, that Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, is really out here trying to collect the Infinity Stones to get himself a Super Bowl. (laughs) It kind of has that feel. It's like the Eagles know... They are one piece away, and they're just trying to figure out what that piece is. They have a superstar quarterback in Jalen Hurts. They have 
top tier receiving core options with AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. Like that's a solid yeah. option. They bolstered their backfield, brought in DeAndre Swift. They've got more options there. Mm-hmm. Offensive line we know is phenomenal. Defense has talent at all levels. We joke about it's the it's the Georgia Eagles. Yeah. Or the Philadelphia Bulldogs. Yeah. One way or the other, when you draft from national champion college teams, you end up with good NFL teams. The Eagles are they have talent all over. They're built well. Totally. There's not an obvious hole on that roster. Yeah, it's unreal. And if it was anything, it was that they lacked depth in the secondary. We'd seen Bradbury get hurt a couple times this season mm-hmm. already. So then they go and they trade for all pro safety Kevin Byard. It's like, yep. okay, how unfair is this? Mike Vrabel, are you a Philly fan? What's going on? You What's going on? The boat had a little leak and they're like, mm, flex seal, we got this. Yeah, it totally is. And I joke about, you know, Mike Vrabel maybe being a a Philly fan, but also it goes back to what you and I have been saying for weeks now. Quality NFL players, all pro safety CJGJ, all pro safety Kevin Byard, mm-hmm. who is almost definitively going to be an all pro now and AJ Brown, if he isn't already. They all got traded for pennies on the dollar. Darius Slay, even on that team, got traded for a third and a fifth round pick. Yeah. Trades in the NFL are very cheap, people. Yeah. the I think the trade value is. Hopeful fans want a lot of draft picks for for good players. And I understand the desire. That's just not how it works. Right. The biggest thing to make trades happen is money. Can a team afford to bring in a guy? Because draft picks are kind of a dime a dozen. Most draft picks don't hit. Most draft picks don't hit. But they're also the only asset in sports that are continuously increasing in value. Your draft pick that's not a player yet, that's only going up. That's only, we're only ever going to say, oh, but that draft pick, that could be, that could be anything. That could be Patrick Mahomes. That could be Jalen Hurts. That could be Jalen Carter Uh, versus your player. You know, you're all of a sudden staring at Trey Lance and saying, Trey Lance could be Brock Purdy. It doesn't always work out. Doesn't always work out. And players on the flip side are kind of a diminishing value for the most part. Exactly. They peak at some point because their value does go up. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes as a rookie wasn't worth as much as he is today. Right. But at some point, you get some minor injuries or just the average wear and tear of playing in the NFL. Age, father time, catches up. And you start to say, well, maybe he's not worth quite as much as he used to be. But that draft pick still looks nice and shiny full of potential that draft pick is always going to have potential until you put a name on that card and hand mm-hmm. it into roger goodell it's got some dra- it's got some value to it absolutely because that draft pick could be peyton manning or it could be ryan leaf exactly and until you cash in you don't know which which side of that equation you're going to land on and i'll say right now jumping ahead to our next matchup um, is Derek Carr more Ryan Leaf than Peyton Manning? He honestly might be. And I am genuinely surprised. I thought the Saints were going to be an upgrade for with Derek Carr and for Derek Carr. I thought that was a win-win relationship upgrade. 
The Saints needed better quarterback play, more consistent quarterback play, and the Saints were a much better team than the Raiders. Obviously, Devontae Adams is a phenomenal wide receiver, but that was really the only thing going for the Raiders' offense. Josh Jacobs is great. I'm never going to be super high on superstar running back value, and if you really want to make the argument, Alvin Kamara is not a drop-off from Josh Jacobs. They're different, but they're both superstars. They're different, but we can also say the evidence since Kamara's started playing this season. When Kamara came back in week four, so over the last three weeks, Kamara's been the best running back in the NFL. Yeah, he's electric. He's, He's definitely played less this season, but over his three, four game stretch, he's better than anyone else. Yeah, and that is something that the Saints obviously knew they were going to have in the fold. And some good pieces around the system. And traditionally, the Saints have been a good organization. They've been a good team. Uh, we'll we'll save the Bounty Gate stuff for a different day. <laughs> but season. overall, that overall that roster has been well-constructed. And I for sure thought bringing Derek Carr in was going to help him and help the Saints. Yeah, I I think we all kind of thought that. I will say I still think he's an upgrade, especially over Andy Dalton. But we expected more. We expected it to be not really a competition for the NFC South anymore. We thought the Saints were going to take it. In our first couple weeks, we did say the Bucks and the Panthers are both sneaky options, pending how mm-hmm. Bryce Young plays. However, at the end of the day, we all are picking the Saints. That right. is really not even a conversation at this point. No, right now the conversation is trying to decide what we do with the Falcons. And the Bucks. even. Either of them are like, are they great? Are they good? Are they yeah. not either of those? Right, because the Falcons are leading the division as of today. I don't think anybody truly believes that the Falcons are the best team. I mean, Desmond Ritter is not a long-term option at quarterback. Bijan Robinson didn't play at all this weekend. I believe he ended up having six snaps and one touch for zero yards was his final stat line, I think. And I know the NFL is actually looking into that one as far as maybe an undisclosed injury, which is very against the league policy. Yeah, our friends over at FanDuel and in Vegas and the millions of people that play fantasy football, Mm -hmm. they're not happy about it. Mm -mm. Arthur Smith is looking at possibly a suspension. I would not be at all surprised if there was a forfeiture of a draft pick. That's going to be something to look into. Yeah, if they hit an injury, that's going to be a big deal. But the conversation here, the Falcons are leading the division. We don't think they're super legit. The Bucks look like they might be. Right. But also there's some talk about moving Mike Evans before the trade deadline. Yeah. And all of that we didn't think would be a conversation coming into the season because we thought Derek Carr was going to make the Saints the clear, obvious favorite for the division. And right now it looks like Derek Carr is the reason the Saints aren't the clear and obvious favorite. Yeah, I will say he's having a shoulder labrum issue, so maybe that's just bugging him more than the team is letting on. Part of it also, even if it's not that kind of shoulder issue, Chris Olave got caught pretty badly putting in minimal effort on top of the fact that then after the game, he got a reckless driving ticket. 
Yeah, no, that things are off for sure. As a as a team, they have some issues to work through. I'm curious to see if they can turn it around. It's still not a super strong division, right? But I I expected more out of the Saints and Derek Carr, and it's not like they got completely embarrassed. But that game against the Jaguars over the weekend, 31-24 was the final score, but it really wasn't that close. The Saints scored 15 of those points in the fourth quarter. Yep. When it was pretty safely a Jaguars win. Yeah, I think you're totally right. If I'm the Saints organization, after Chris Olave, who was my pick for Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, um, I thought he performed better than Garrett Wilson even. Yeah. he He's going to start causing some questions in New Orleans. Um, I'll give a quick shout out to at First Round Mock on Twitter is an account run by former Jets scout Daniel Kelly. He has been giving himself quite the pat on the back lately talking about <laughs> his draft report on Olave before he came out. Mm. Apparently this whole issue of him failing to run routes, not caring if the ball's not coming to him, you know, failing to speed up if a ball is deep and he needs to get under it, things like that. Apparently it's been an issue that's dogged him all the way back at Ohio state, according to Daniel Kelly. And we all just kind of missed it because as a rookie, he really turned it on. It was just great, but he maybe is just pulling one over on the saints org. Fascinating. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that. That's, it's interesting to see work ethic not show up. And you hear it all the time, the cliche, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That looks like what it might be. You know, he's only in his second year and not even all the way through, so I won't condemn him. But uh, this week it was on display, I think. Yeah, talent for sure. The hard work may be lacking. There have been some players, obviously as a Vikings fan, Randy Moss is the first that comes to mind for yep. didn't give full effort all the time. Right. He absolutely gave up on routes, wouldn't even pretend like he was going out for a pass when it was a run play. And, I mean, I can't blame him. I don't want to run 30 yards downfield when I know full well the ball's not coming to me. Right. But I'm not an NFL wide receiver. So yeah, I'm not being I can paid have millions. that opinion. Right. If I'm being paid millions, I'm going to do – pretty much whatever that coach asks of me. Yeah. And then on the flip side with Randy Moss, he truly was one of the most talented wide receivers of all time. Right. Olave is not Moss. Olave is not Moss. And the Jaguars even kind of did the NFL community a favor, if you could call it that, by putting Olave on blast. Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick in the draft in 2022, Mm -hmm. he was mic'd up for the game. And he was standing near Derek Carr when Derek Carr starts screaming at Olave, why'd you slow down? Keep effing running. If your quarterback doesn't like you, you may not see a whole lot of targets. You may not see a whole lot of targets. And on the flip side, quarterbacks do have a lot of control over who gets the ball. And if a guy's hustling and trying to find an opening, trying to make things work, and it's just not his day, he's not getting open, he's matched up against a better cornerback, whatever, a lot of times that quarterback will come back to the guy who's hustling. Yeah, I'm with you. And how many times does a pocket break down and Mm -hmm. you just got to find a guy who's moving and the guy who's standing in one spot isn't going to get the ball? No, definitely not going to get the ball. 
and it depends who your quarterback is too. We watch, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs get a ton of national playing time because yep. they're good and they're fun to watch. And they've been to three Super Bowls in five years. Yeah, little things. Tiny things. Irrelevant. Anybody can do it. They can't. Not anybody can do it. Not anybody Not does it. That's why we watch the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, when the pocket breaks down, he's running around. And you see the receivers who have stuck around with that organization, especially if you throw Kelsey in, they're moving they are looking yep. for where's a lane, where is an opening, where is a line of sight that Mahomes can throw this in here. I will say that's not really the case for the Chiefs this year, though. No, the wide receiver talent in Kansas City is not good. Mahomes is good, yeah. and Mahomes makes average players look better than they are. Yeah, I'm with you, but even this year, their receiving core is definitely lacking. They obviously made a move to bring Miko Hardman back, who began his career with the Chiefs. It feels a little bit like getting back together with your ex after you dated somebody new and realized eh, it wasn't that bad, actually. Yeah, but we still knew that Miko was never going to be it either. And I'm a big Miko fan. I like him a lot. I think his speed could certainly add an element to the offense. But they were hoping with Miko to accomplish, with Miko and Tyreek, really, they were yeah. hoping to accomplish what Tyreek and Waddle have now accomplished in Miami. Yep. And it was a good idea. It just, well, they lost Tyreek and that was the key. Right. But on the flip side, the Chiefs' defense is not getting the attention I think they deserve because Mahomes is so good, because the Chiefs have been such a dominant offense. We ignore the fact that their defense is top 10 this year in sacks, top 10 in total yards allowed, total yards per attempt. I think they have 22 sacks on the season. Yeah, I think their defense has been absolutely stellar this season. Their offense has been pretty lackluster. Mahomes is in the MVP conversation, and the fact mm -hmm. that he's even in that conversation right now means he should maybe win it because he's doing it with honestly very little help. It's a good point. I'm not going to say that Travis Kelsey has little help, I guess, but besides that, he's not getting a ton of help. So this is the worst offense we've seen in the Mahomes era of the Chiefs. But maybe the best defense we've seen from the Chiefs, right. and that's why the Chiefs are still a genuine contender. They're sitting at 6-1 and one after a divisional win over the Chargers, and they kind of controlled that the whole time. Oh, yeah. It, they. I don't want to say they slaughtered them, but they definitely dominated. Yeah, it was a clear... Chiefs-controlled game the entire way through. If we want to talk defense, the Cleveland Browns had been on pace to be maybe the best defense of all time. Yep. Definitely took a little step back against the Colts this week. Minshew mania. However, I just want to bring out, I feel like we talk about a defensive lineman every week. Miles Garrett jumped over the offensive line to block a kick. Man. And if you if you were on social media this offseason, you probably saw the videos of Miles Garrett doing box jumps, and he was up to 64-inch box jumps. That's jumping over most average height people. Like, he could jump up and land on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, that's over five feet, if my math yeah. is working. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, over five feet. And he's clearing that with no run-in, that's just flat foot off the ground, and jump up. And 
it it paid off. We saw it happen in a real game. He box jumped over the offensive line and landed right in front of the kicker. Yeah, I feel like we're arguing with J.J. Watt every single day, but it's like, man, the competition for Defensive Player of the Year is going to be really tight this season. Yeah, which is fun. It's fun when there are some superstar defensive players. They yeah. are just entertaining. And we'll see if any of them get MVP love at the end of the season, which would also be pretty sweet. We haven't seen that ever. Charles Woodson, ever. I think, got the closest. I am a huge proponent of a non-quarterback MVP. I also am a realist, and it's going to be a quarterback. It will be. That's just the era in which we live. Unless we see someone like Tyreek or A.J. Brown go for over 2,000 yards. Mm. But that yeah. also means that one of Tua or Jalen probably passed for 5,000, which is also and pretty rare. Less rare than 2,000 yards, considering one has happened a dozen times and one has never happened. But it's valid. But if Tyreek gets 2,000, Tua probably had 5,000, the Dolphins probably ended as the one seed. And right. it's going to be Tua MVP and Tyreek Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, which is similar to what we saw with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Stafford didn't win the MVP, but Cooper Cup's triple crown, almost perfect receiving season. Yeah. Offensive Player of the Year, not MVP. Right. There's just a bias toward quarterbacks. And if you are a quarterback, congratulations. Yeah. Cash in because the checks are there. You won the genetic and talent met hard work lottery. Yep. Good for you. Keep taking advantage of it. Good for you. I'm jealous, but I'm also happy for you. But also happy. Okay. There are three games I want to talk about that just did not make sense this weekend. And we kind of didn't see any of this coming. The Denver Broncos, we thought were bad. They are bad. I'm not going to back back off on that. Piece. They are who we thought they They're were. They're bad. But they beat the Packers. Yep. Then you had the Chicago Bears. Bad. Yep. Bad. They beat the Raiders, who we thought were bad, but be- we thought were better than the Bears. And then the really surprising one was the New England Patriots upsetting the Buffalo Bills. I don't think anyone predicted those three games going that way. No, and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here again with this, but it's like, Buffalo, we are begging for some consistency from you. We asked for it from the Dolphins. They didn't show it in their game, obviously. The Eagles won handily, which we've already covered. But the Bills, we've had this expectation from you for three, four years now. You've had time to figure it out. You're not the Lions or the Dolphins, new to winning, trying to figure out what you want your culture to be. Bills, we continuously have your quarterback in the running for the MVP. We have you guys in the running for the one seed. Put it all together. Yeah, and the Bills' defense is what looked like the problem, which is really, I don't know if it's cause for alarm yet. It's concerning when they have a defensive head coach. And it right. looked like, well, it didn't look like, the defense gave up 29 points to a Mac Jones-led New England Patriots team that we have been saying could be the third or fourth worst team in the entire NFL. And we even touched base last week and said that they might be in the Caleb Williams running. Oh, yeah. Anything to replace Mac Jones. And then Mac Jones played against the Bills and looked like maybe he is a starter. So I don't know what to make of that. I want to see a couple more games. Emphasis on the maybe. 
big maybe. Yeah, and he looked kind of like how he looked as a rookie, which was, mm-hmm. oh, he's got promise, but it's still not, oh, yeah, he's our franchise. Yeah. So, I don't know, we'll see. Another guy that's not the franchise was another one of those games, the Packers with Jordan Love. Yep. I don't I am so hesitant to say he's bad because, and only because, as a Vikings fan, I have never actually seen the Packers have a bad quarterback. Not I have experienced. I have experienced two quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Both of them are Hall of Famers. Both of them have Super Bowl rings. It is unprecedented in the most literal sense for the Packers to have a potentially bad quarterback and very least a far cry from hall of fame quarterback yeah while i am hesitant just because i am heartbroken over the first 25 years of my existence (laughs) i'm gonna go ahead and read a tweet that i sent you earlier today this is from a packers fan named andrew danahy you can find him at at a d a n n e h y on x He said, some are discrediting Justin Fields' performance against the Broncos because it was against the Broncos. Mm -hmm. Some are discrediting Tyson Badgent. I hope I'm pronouncing that right for you, Ty. Some are discrediting Tyson Badgent's performance over the Raiders because it was against the Raiders. Mm -hmm. We must all remember that Jordan Love was bad against both teams. Oof. Man, that's an indictment. It's an indictment. He doesn't look good. If it weren't for that Saints comeback, which was essentially only him being decent in the fourth quarter against Mm -hmm. a team who had lost their starting quarterback, because that was the game Derek Carr went out in, so they weren't able to put up any more points, really. If it weren't for that comeback win, we'd already be talking about Jordan Love as a huge bust. Yeah. And you look at the Packers' schedule. They They beat the Bears to open the season. Nobody thought that was super shocking. The Bears aren't good. Bears fans thought it was shocking. No, well, (laughs) Bears fans have been wrong for a long time. But the Packers lost to the Falcons, close game, a one-point game, beat the Saints by a point, lost pretty handedly to the Lions, lost to the Raiders, now lost to the Broncos. They get the Vikings this week. That one, after a loss to the Broncos for the Packers and a win over the Niners for the Vikings feels like the consensus pick is going to be Vikings. You have to think that it's the Vikings are going to be favored. I will say, obviously the Vikings have historically always struggled in Lambeau. It's also not winter yet. So that's also not winter yet. So that helps. We do know anything can happen in a divisional matchup like with the bills and Patriots. Mm -hmm. But with all that being said, yeah, I'd, I'd take the Vikings. And it's not going to get any easier for the Packers. They got to play the Lions again, obviously. They also have Chargers, Chiefs, Bucks. It could get really ugly in Green Bay very quickly. And at what point do you say, Jordan Love, you've been here for four years. You weren't good enough for us to move on from Aaron Rodgers until Aaron Rodgers basically hid himself in a hole in the ground. Demanded to leave, essentially. What do you do? Jordan Love is way more expensive than a rookie, and he's performing like a rookie. They did extend him. The extension, I believe, has a void year and was for not that much money. So they could move on from him this season if they chose to. 
I will say I think a lot of that is going to depend on who is coaching the Packers next year. If I'm the Packers, I honestly stick with LaFleur. He's shown way too much yeah. promise not to. Yep, I but agree. he's on the hot seat. Entered next season, best case scenario. I think you're right. I think he is on the hot seat simply because Jordan Love is not panning out and the Packers don't look good. And what an interesting trade deadline and then offseason we could have with the NFC North. The Vikings maybe, likely, probably moving on from Kirk Cousins. The Bears probably picking number one overall, which means Justin Fields is probably down in Chicago. And potentially number two. And maybe number two. Either way, Fields probably out for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love not good and maybe gone in Green Bay, which leaves the Lions with Jared Goff as the most stable quarterback relationship in the NFC North. And I don't think three years ago anybody would have guessed that oh, Goff totally. would still be playing for the Lions. No, in his first season in Detroit, he was actively the worst quarterback in the league that wasn't a rookie. Yep, and the, I think everyone saw that trade, Stafford and Goff switching places, was basically the Lions saying, let's build the rest of the roster, we'll get a quarterback, Goff can just be a stopgap. Yeah, and it was borderline unanimous that people considered Goff to be a throw-in in that trade. Lions yeah. general manager Brad Holmes has gone on the record many times since then to say, no, I specifically asked for him. I knew what Goff could do if he had some confidence behind him. Yep. Now, uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was in the MVP conversation after this past week dropped a bit. I think he's still yep. in the top 10 for odds, uh, but maybe not. Either way, he's played overwhelmingly very good for the last 17 games or so. Side of a couple random matchups. But yeah, you're totally right. Three years ago, we never would have been saying, oh yeah, in 2023 and 2024, the Lions are going to have the best quarterback in the league or in the uh, division, and Mm -hmm. it's going to be Jared Goff. Yeah, man. Those are two independent statements that I did not see coming. So congrats, Lions fans. Yeah, congrats, Lions fans. I will say, I wonder how good he has to be for the Lions not to move on to Hendon Hooker in mm-hmm. a year or two. It's a good point. Is we'll, he, we'll see what they have. Yeah. Is he Alex Smith and they're banking on not a literal Mahomes, but something like that where they've got a guy in waiting? Or is Hendon Hooker going to end up as Jordan Love? We will see what happens. After this weekend, the Lions dropped out of my top five in the power rankings. Yep. They were on the cusp, still in top ten. I have faith that they will be able to turn it around. But for now, they're outside of my top five. The Ravens jumped in for me after that. So same game. Both teams made a pretty drastic move. I dropped the 49ers down to five. Pulled the Jaguars up as the number four team. Because the Jaguars haven't been super flashy, but they're winning every week. So, Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I have the Eagles at number one, just like you do. The Chiefs at number two, just like you do. I had an inner debate on that for a long time just because they are the two teams with only one loss each. They're going to both be the one seeds if the season ended today, just like they were last year. They both had dominant victories for their last win. I ended up putting the Eagles number one just because their offensive talent is so much better outside of the Mahomes versus Hurts thing. And if you're trying to say Hurts isn't still amazing, then you're wrong. So, you yeah, know, the brotherly shove proves 
Hertz is amazing. So good. I mean, like I said a few weeks ago, if you've got a quarterback who can squat 300 pounds over their own weight, probably more than that for Hertz, honestly. Yeah, I think I think his PR is over six. But just like you mentioned, I've got them as my top two. I've got the Jags at number three. Um, they just the last few games they've been killing it. We talked about London versus the Bills, but they did beat the Bills. Yep. I've got the Finns number four and the Ravens at five. Yeah. So a little bit of shakeup at the top. The bottom looks pretty familiar. It is Panthers, Raiders, Broncos for both of us. We were so close to having the same like bottom ten in the exact yeah. same order. So close. Yeah, we got a couple shuffles, Cardinals, Commanders, Titans, Saints, but those bottom teams really are starting to settle as we approach the midway point of the season. We know who the bad teams are. We know who the good teams are. We haven't yet figured out those middle teams, which side they're going to land on. Like you said, we haven't figured out those middle teams, but also we haven't really figured out those elite teams either. Like we said about the Chiefs, they've got to show us a little bit more maybe. This Mm -hmm. weekend, they kind of did it. The Eagles definitely did it. But outside of them, who's going to be great? Are the Ravens going to be? Are the Lions going to be? Are the Chargers? Are the Dolphins? We don't really know. Don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. And with that, we are going to wrap it up here. Close the door on the AD's office for week seven. Make sure you follow along on Twitter and Instagram at the AD's office. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.